All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I don't think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 115 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I am Julian Gill. I'm going to host today. No one else is here. Oh, wait. Mark. Mark is almighty. Hello. Ken, 69th Blizzard. Sorry, guys. Hello. My screen just blanked out for a minute there. So sure. I think I think we're going to have one of these episodes that uh, everything becomes interesting. And who knows who might join us during this episode. So let's just uh, touch on some of the latest news out there. Peter Chris, Australia, KISS convention appearance. And I'm on his website right now. That's peterchris.net for you people who don't know that. And shame on you if you didn't. Uh, go over there. He is going to be making an appearance May the 12th to 14th at the Australia KISS convention. And I think it's Melbourne. But there's a video that's just been uploaded onto his website that you can go and check out. Um, 12th to 14th is the expo may the 12th is a vip dinner performance by peter chris last live performance in australia followed by the 13th and 14th open convention with peter and other special guests i wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of details still to come out about this but you know ken and i have obviously sung the praises of peter's visit to la and how much fun it was so everyone down under Go for it. Enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's going to be one of those very special things. If it's anywhere near close to how cool <clears throat> L.A. was, and I sound like a total fanboy, but I had an absolute blast, you're going to enjoy it. And then he's also announced New York Kiss Expo, June the 9th to 11th. And uh, a lot of details still to be worked out for that one. He's going to do a meet and greet on the 9th the expo on the 10th uh, again along with uh, special guests and more of these people will be notified i think romance uh fernandez has already been confirmed for the bill o'coin rock mm-hmm. hall of fame and there'll be some of the usual suspects no doubt but uh you know peter's going to be there and then he's going to do a new york city landmark tour and <laughs> i People were saying, well, what the hell is he going to talk about in Los Angeles? Well, you know what? You ask any one of those people who went on that landmark tour in Los Angeles if they wanted a refund, I don't think you'll find one raise their <laughs> arm because everything I heard was that it was absolutely brilliant, insanely fun, and I mean singing Beth with Peter Chris while he tells you about studios and they had an impromptu stop, um, stop uh, where they did the handprints, the Hollywood Whatever, you know, I can't remember what it is, but Chinese theater there, Walk of Fame, Walk Walk of Fame, where he did his handprints. So imagine what they're gonna do in New York City, which is Peter's home, his hometown, Mm. his hometown, Mm. not his home. Rest to kill. Where so many Kiss albums were recorded, and we're only thinking classic era when we're talking about Peter. And he's also announced a June the 16th VIP dinner performance, uh, very last live performance in the USA. So check out PeterChris.net. They've uploaded a video. It's um, very cool. You go to their appearances page, and that's got all the details. And on the news page has the video. So that's some of the latest news. Podkissed, our friends, Ken, Godfather. I'm not worthy. <laughs> I will never be worthy. Um, yes. 
Episode 132, Gene Live. They have Gene's touring guitarist, Phil Schaus, or Schuss. And I just probably butchered his name either way. He's a Nashville cat, so makes me think of something else that's coming up in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So check out the latest podcast episode, and that is uh, Ken and Gary. Gary. Got to get him mm. on the show one of these days, uh, Schaller. Talking with Gene's live guitarist. And talking of Nashville... Nashville Rockin' Pod Expo. Check it out. It is all systems go. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> things are coming together with that Rockin' Pod Expo for August the 26th. Details can be found on Rock and Pod, well, Nashville RockinPodExpo.com or on Facebook. Check it out and uh, buy tickets. Pledge for the GoFundMe because there's a lot of cool packages. The FAQ has uh, chipped in and we're offering some cool stuff and you'll get a free ticket for the expo out of that and I bought my airfare so I will be there and hopefully some other members of the KISS FAQ podcast will be able to join as well because that would be a real blast. I want to meet anyone in person, meet these other podcast cats in person, sell some vinyl, buy some vinyl and Damn it, on some national barbecue. So, there you go. <laughs> before we get into today's topic, Mark, how's uh, Project Gemini doing for you? Because I received mine this week and I wrote a quick review up of it. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. The person, and I think it was Ken, who said Xanadu, I hate you because I couldn't think of that song when I was thinking of some of the influences that were coming oh. through on, on that particular piece. So you beat me to it. Uh, hope it's doing well for you. Uh, just give us a quick update, would you? Yeah, um, it's going good. I mean, obviously, uh, just like with all records, you know, the mad rush at the beginning has tailed down a little bit, but I'm still getting stuff coming in still, so that's a very good sign. Um, pretty pretty even amongst the digital and physical uh sign of it there it is right there in all its glory and there ah, mr ken too very nice and uh as you guys probably know i uh posted a picture of the poster up as well that i'm going to be making available soon enough to people it will be available with the vinyl once that comes out and uh i will also make it available beforehand if people really desperately want to get their hands on it so and I'll talk all about that on the update. I don't want to waste value, valuable time on the FAQ here. So um, if you're interested in that stuff, just check out the next update, which I'll probably be doing later this evening. Okay, and, and so thank you. Hey, Mark, what's your Facebook site for people who may not know? Oh, it's just uh, when you go to – it's just Project Gemini, uh, Project Gemini, like Facebook slash Project Gemini. But I have a group. And I have a just a regular page as well. So if you just go to the group search and to the, just a page search, if you just type in Project Gemini, it'll be the first thing that pops up. It's really easy to get to. Awesome. All right. One last thing before we uh, get into today's topic, since people will be listening to this you know, tonight and tomorrow, is uh, we've got a poll star figure for the uh, Thackerville Windstar Global Event Center show, which was on February the 24th. For people who care, sold out. 3450 mm-hmm. attendance with a gross of 417,000. So, as I said in the thread on the FAQ, eat it, haters. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 talking of haters, yeah, uh, we had some fun feedback last uh, week to our episode mm-hmm. where we paid homage 
to Tommy Thayer, Esquire. Mm-hmm. And you, you know what? I do appreciate most of the comments that we've received on that. You know, overwhelmingly positive that I think people agree with us that we've been blessed to continue to be able to see Kiss in makeup, even if it isn't the original Cat Peter Chris or the original Spaceman Ace Frehley. All of his diehards know that, but we're still able to see a fantastic Kiss show with Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. And I'm sorry, Eric Singer and Tommy Thayer both do an incredible job, and most people respect that, and they enjoy that. You know, there's a couple people who... um, you know beg to differ and you know what that's perfectly fine you know you don't have to go no one's putting a gun to your head and telling you you have to like it you have to accept it you have to enjoy it i happen to take the opposite opinion that i missed out on so many cool kiss things when i was younger that i'm going to enjoy it for as long as i possibly can and Mm -hmm. i will be objective about it as far as my personal opinions are i you know i we weren't a complete rose-tinted sunglasses fest on Tommy. We said some things that we thought yeah. he didn't quite do quite up to our particular standards. But you know what? He's the guy up there wearing the boots, slinging the guitar. So I'm the schmuck sitting here worrying, worrying about my hat. So let's get into today's topic. And, you know, one of the things that we have wanted to talk about for a while on this show is some of the opening acts that have worked with Kiss and kind of not worked with Kiss. So, yeah, when I, when I became a fan, you know, I, I got to say, I, I have never been particularly thrilled with the bands that have toured with Kiss in the post-85 period. I mean, we talked about Black and Blue last week, and they don't do anything for me. Wasp would have been one who I would have said, yeah, you know, but but that's only looking back 30 years that I kind of regret that. I don't want to see Blackie now um, as much as I still, I still buy every Wasp album that comes out, but I don't want to, you know, I don't actually want to go watch him perform any of it. So let's just give people a quick uh, recap of the first opening act each of us ever saw with kiss and we're gonna go back and start with the dress to kill tour but ken you know put us to shame first opening act <laughs> well this is not well this is not that uh <laughs> i'm not gonna put you to shame with this opening act um the first act uh when i saw them uh first time was dynasty tour and the act was the rockets <laughs> okay and and they had that one. It's funny about it is, uh, I mean, they were okay, you know, live. They they did their performance, and you know, the the crowd put up with it, I guess you could say. Uh, but I remember buying the album. I, I I think I bought the album. I don't know after I saw them or before. I think before, maybe so. I guess, and it had like two good songs on the album. There's one. I think they did well, well, well. It was a remake. You know that song, that old rock song. Uh, anyway, um, you you would if you heard it, you'd know it. But it was a remake of a rock song. It's a good song, but and they did it pretty good. Um, but that's the only reason I bought that album. I think I, I think it was like one other song I liked. But yeah, that was the first time, and it was a blur for me. I mean, uh, I remember having some pictures of even them on on stage in that concert. I I, I can't locate them, but uh, they were okay. They're just okay. They're not my favorite performance. I don't think back and think, oh, oh, they were 
they were great. You know, that was a great opening. You know, no, I was waiting to see Kiss for my first time, and uh, I just wanted them out of the way as fast as possible, and and get to Kiss. So they were just, you know, okay. They they weren't horrible, but they weren't, you know, didn't knock me over or anything. Now I can't place them off the top of my head. Did they have a female front? Or were they? Uh, no, all, all it was all man. Okay, there's yeah, one yeah. band I've got in my head that I, I, I could have sworn had a female uh, lead vocalist. Yeah. Mark, what about you? Yes. Well, the first time I saw Kiss was the '96 reunion tour in Toronto, and I'm trying to remember the name of the band. I'm pretty sure they were called Degeneration. I think they were called. Yeah. Uh, Degeneration. And, uh, yeah, from what I can remember of that, um, we came in right when they were about one song into their set, and we were just kind of scrambling for our seats, and we sat down and, you know, watched the rest of their set. And they were not they were not horrible, but you know how it is at these. You're playing, first of all, they're playing in a Skydome, which is like the, the a huge, huge stadium thing. And it's like, you know, it's just echo like crazy. There's barely, you know, half the people in there. So the sound is bouncing around all over the place in there. So, but they were doing a, like a glam punk kind of thing, you know. So they were they were okay. I mean, I've seen much worse opening bands in my time than, than them, right? But, uh, yeah, they were okay. They were you know nothing to write home about it the people what i was kind of actually surprised about was that the audience for the most part was pretty polite they clapped you know there was nothing no feverish you know cheering or nothing but i was expecting you know the kiss chance to start up i was really getting worried that i might start up and they might get heckled off the stage because i've seen a few times that happen before with uh not with a kiss show but with rush shows which i that was my first alarming experience i ever had in a rush concert was my very first show tom cochran and red rider opened for rush and they got so badly booed people started lighting paper airplanes and throwing it on the stage and they took off like and i was like is this to happen all the time like you know like it was pretty scary but you know kiss at that show it was it was they went over pretty well i mean as well as you could expect an opening act to go over so it wasn't a it wasn't a bad experience. Yeah, the whole problem with Kiss, of course, is that you're not really caring about the opening act. You want the show. Um, talking about Degeneration and some of the bands that kind of opened on the reunion tour, just uh, jogged a memory that uh, the Nixons, another band that did some opening slots, and that is of course John Humphreys of Seether, was their drummer. They've got a reunion gig coming up, and uh, I've just had to Google this. I, I try not to fact-check myself while we're doing a show because it just doesn't work. But uh, they're playing in Oklahoma City on March the 31st, and that is the Nixons reunion show. Uh, mine. Yeah, I've, I've not hid the fact that uh, Dodger Stadium, 98, Psycho Circus, was my first show, to my shame. But... Uh, that means that my opening act was the Smashing Pumpkins and the Psycho Circus, for that matter. So, you know, I don't remember much. I'd had a, uh, a few beers that <laughs> night, and it had been quite an experience. 
and I was never into the Pumpkins anyway. All I remember was them coming out on stage dressed up as the Beatles 64 and thinking, I don't even remember what I was thinking. <laughs> Pro- probably wasn't thinking. So, Pumpkins. Let's go back in time. You, you go back to, you know, I don't think we'll talk about Hotter Than Hell. That, that's something we can save for a, a different discussion about the bands that Kiss kind of opened for. So you get into the Dress to Kill tour, and they start doing some opening slots. They're still opening for bands like ZZ Top, where the markets are bigger, where the opportunities make more sense. But I just put a, put together a little bit of a list of some of the bands that opened for them specifically um, through, I think it is August 1975. So Heavy Metal Kids, also known as The Kids, Mike Quattro Jam Band, of course the band... Uh, that was performing when Moose blew his hand off um, in, what's that, uh, December 74. Uh, Vitaly's Madman, that's Joe Vitaly, who was, I can't remember what band he was in German, I think it was Amboy Dukes. Um, Status Quo, British Mm -hmm. band. So, uh, of course, we did lose one of those members recently. So, Brian Auger and the, uh, what is it, the Oblivion Express, MS Funk. And that's Muscle Shoals, Salem Witchcraft, Amboy Dukes as well, Smack Dab, JoJo Gunn, at least at the one Beacon Theater show, so that doesn't really count. James Gang, The Tubes, mm-hmm. and I'll cross out The Tubes immediately because they didn't open for Kiss from Kiss's Choice. They were thrown on there by Bill Graham, who said basically they're going to perform, and if you happen to be at the show, then you'll play after them. Montrose, Diamond Rio, Journey. And Rush. So out of okay. that out of that long list of bands, I guess we get to the last two or three in there. Montrose, Diamond, uh, Montrose, Journey, and Rush mm-hmm. are going to be the likely contenders. From my way of thinking, is you know what oh, is, yeah. what was what from that list is the best, I guess, uh, opening act for Kiss in 1975 on an album that really was mediocre so this is kiss pre-stardom mark your thoughts on that lot and any of your own thoughts for that matter he's gonna fly by night fly by night Ed- eduardo's eduardo's owl looking at you could there really be any other choice for this tour than <laughs> these guys really i mean i think about it i've seen so many pictures even from like books that have to do with kiss that talk very highly about Rush and their time that they had with them early on. I mean, you know, the that uh that Mr. Bag thing there that Alex Lifeson used to do with them backstage. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Getty Lee had pictures of them doing a big huge pie fight on stage. There was a great picture of Getty covered in whipped cream on stage and attempting to stand up and play and just couldn't do it. He was laughing his head off. You know. So I've always said if I could go back in time, I would love to go to a few of those shows because the vibe for that must have been just fantastic because there's nothing better when you go to a show and the opening band and the headlining band are like in sync with each other and are almost like on a great friend basis. So mm-hmm. you don't have as much of this, you know, no, you can't use this lighting and we're going to screw you on the sound. Probably everything went so nice and simpatico for that tour with those guys because they were so much and you know such buddies by that point it must have been incredible to see and and you know fly by night is my favorite rush record so 
Oh, it is. I would have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. It's my favorite Rush album. Interesting. And so, to, and so to have them, you playing that material, oh, it, was, yeah. it, it would. It would have been fantastic to see that. They were probably they would have probably been playing like I mean, that album stuff, and uh, they probably would have did a bit of Crest of Steel, obviously later on as well, right? But mm-hmm. I think they were mainly sure. playing Live by Night stuff, and what a great record! Well, yeah, Dress to Kill, or um, and I've just googled it quickly. Fly by Night came out in February '75, and holy shit, you just know in the end, Biter and the Snow oh, Dog. Yeah. I mean, come on, yeah. those, those yeah. two, those two for me. <laughs> It's an yeah. it's an absolutely fantastic album. I mean, that whole album is just I mean, it's timeless. For it's Neil's introduction to the band as their primary songwriter, and you know they'd done the I think it's one or two shows with uh, John Rutsey at the tail end of the Hotter Than Hell tour, and then yeah. he leaves the band and Neil comes in, and it's a complete reinvigoration. But they'd gotten along so well with Rush. That they had asked them back for some, I think, his December shows, and you know, Kurt and Jeff, just a wealth of knowledge off the top of their heads. I don't have this that I can just reel it off like this. They can, you know. But the his the co-history with Kiss and Rush is just absolutely incredible. So, I mean, I'm not surprised you go there, Mark, as a Canadian and as a proud Canadian. You're kind of like holding up the banner for your your guys there. But, you know, it's no slouch of an album, is it, by any means? No. Ken, no, not at all. Ken, I mean, I mean, would you go with anyone else on that list as a perfect touring companion? And then we'll come back to who would have been an even better opening act at that time. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I have to agree. <laughs> Rush would have been the the one um, at that time would have been the best to see uh, opening for Kiss. Um, Journey at that time was not yet with Steve Perry. Uh, they were still in their progressive mode and. And they were just, you know, so, so, uh, you know, when they were doing that kind of uh, music. And uh, then there's, and Montrose would have been better in Journey at that time uh, to see. Montrose would have been pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, Rush, Rush is the perfect one. I mean, that's, that's the best band to see them, at least on that tour. Um, of course, yeah, they weren't, they weren't a big hit yet, Rush. Um, but uh, they were, you know. That was a good album, like Mark was saying. You know, that's had a lot of great music on it, so it would have been a, a great show. Uh, you know, a great show to listen to all those new songs that came out at the time. Yeah, so Journey's a really interesting band at this point, as you mentioned. And again, I've just brought it up a, a quick wiki page. I mean, they put out their first album. What's the date on this? Uh, April the first, nineteen seventy-five. The first Journey album comes out. It is not Steve Perry. It's not even Robert Fleischman at this point. They are basically Santana Part Two. Half of these cats had been in Santana, I believe, yeah. and no doubt people will correct me if I'm wrong. But Me too. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Roly Schoen, Tickner, Valerie, and Dunbar. So, I mean, that's a powerhouse yeah. of players, but they're more of a jazzy, kind of pr- very proggy, yes, more instrumental band. So, I mean, yeah. it's still good music. It's still, you know, if you haven't ever checked it out, go up on YouTube. You can probably find all their freaking albums there and, and give it a listen. But it's very different from the stadium rock that later becomes mm. very preeminent when we start talking about a lot of these band names you know just like rush is very different in 75 journey is yes. even more different <laughs> so y- you mentioned montrose and i i think at this point 
Sammy's Sammy's gone. I th- Sammy's gone at I, that time. I, I have a real problem with the timeline on on Montrose because I'm just not mm. well enough versed on their history other than the first album, which to me is the only one that counts. I mean, yeah, that first album is everything. That Montrose is after that. It's all downhill pretty fast into the vocalist changed. So, you know, when we're talking about some of these opening bands. Rush really wins by a landslide for me personally because they're the best of the bands that they open for. Jojo Gunn, they broke up soon after they opened for Kiss at the Beacon. You know, they were a struggling New York band that had been slightly ahead of the... At least I think they are in New York. They were certainly struggling. Slightly ahead of the curve on Kiss. And don't forget that back then, ATI, they packaged up all these kind of acts, I guess, that were... Uh, with the same representation, so there wasn't a whole lot to choose from. Status quo. I, I don't think America ever got status quo. They're, they're kind of like, you know, as an Englishman, they're kind of like one of our home treasures up there with Slade, who we'll talk about, I guess, on the next, the next album that we're going to discuss. But uh, you know, very much, we're never popular outside of Britain and the Commonwealth. So, Rush wins. I think we're three for three. Is there anyone that you think would have worked as an opening act? And whoever wants to jump in first, Ken. Ooh, that's hard. Um, <laughs> I was just on Manchos. I was reading he uh, Hagar was in there seventy three to seventy five, so it's possible he was he was there, um, but I'm not sure. So, um, uh, other bands at the time. Um, um, Aero- do we talk about Aerosmith? Aerosmith, or? Toys in the Attic at this time. I mean, yeah, come on, that would have been a great one too. We uh, we know yeah. how how well things worked out for Kiss and Aerosmith early on, you know, the previous <laughs> year. But I, yeah. I'm sorry, Toys in the Attic. You know, they have yeah. Aerosmith for me has this two album span, which is Toys in the Attic to Rocks, mm-hmm. which is where it's at as far as their 70s go. After that, it's Draw the Line, which is you know, basically a shit sandwich, and then you yeah. get into Night in the Ruts, which is horrendously underrated. So, Aerosmith. Well, it's it's funny though. I mean, you think about it though. Where how how big did that album make Aerosmith? Would they have been willing to be an opener at that point? And then I look back at some of the bands that were out and about at that time, like you know, Ted Nugent was out around then. Then you also had like. Uh, Dreamboat Annie came out for Heart at that time, right? Mm. And then you also had like Captain Captain Fantastic. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that yeah. group, but they, you know, they were out and about too, which were, you know, they were touring. They're always looking to jump on the tour, so maybe they could have been something to come on. And they were interesting, as far as I I find, you know, they were a pretty interesting band. And there was, you know, there's other bands that I see when I look up a list of like, you know, what kind of bands were going on in '75, you know, like. There's bands like Renaissance, which would never be on a tour with Kiss, but you know they were out and about at that time. And there, there's so many of them on there. But again, it's all a matter of what was happening at the time and how the band was developing at the time. Because I mean, at that time, Queen had just done Night at the Opera. You know, if they were to come to America, you know, before that album, maybe they would have said, okay, yeah, maybe we can jump on with them. But you know, Night at the Opera takes off like a bat out of hell, and then there you go do they go and want to even open at that point you know so i think it all depends a lot on that 
situation because I mean, you know, the first thing I thought of was Hart and Ted Nugent. You know, those two would have been some other bands that could have probably cut, caught on to some of the audiences that they played to, right? Yeah, and and the Amboy Dukes, I think they were still being billed as, did open some shows in this period for them, but they weren't packaged up. I mean, it's still, for Kiss, I mean, a very kind of spasmodic touring that they're opening, they have one opening act here, they have one opening act there. Queen, there were dates that they had scheduled at some point with them that um, got pulled because of Brian May getting hep. You know, he he needed time to recover, and then they wrote... Yeah, the, the album you just mentioned, you know, and Aerosmith obviously is ahead of the curve. So Aerosmith in 1975 is not going to open for Kiss no matter what. You know, it, that would have been more the co-headlining tour, the Black and the Blue. Yeah, and it's also an interesting thing to think think as well is that I just noticed that a high voltage had just come out too, like for ACDC, yeah. right? So would but had they even made the trek over to America yet at that point? Not right? yet. I don't think they come here yet. No, the no, they yeah, have yeah. they haven't set foot in America. Yeah. So then that that would have been a great one, but obviously that that wouldn't have happened because of because of that, right? Yeah. So we'll be talking about ACDC in a few minutes, but uh, any last thoughts on that, Ken? Before we go on to a live? No, I was going to mention ACDC, uh, but yeah, I was going to say that I don't think they even came over here yet to tour. Yep. No, they so. they did as uh, all uh, I guess Commonwealth. They started in Europe and mm-hmm. eventually got over here. But uh, let's go to Alive, and uh, I'll rattle off a list of those names: Slade, Gary Wright, Diamond Rio again, James Montgomery Band, Black Sheep, Sticks, Mott, hmm. Ario Speedwagon, Atlanta Rhythm Section, Woo-hoo. Bob Seger, <laughs> Rush, Montrose again. Uh, Brownsville Station, Leslie West Band, BOC, Point Blank, and Artful Dodger. Artful Dodger, forget about it. I mean, that's. They, <laughs> you know, I remember when I was doing some Aerosmith stuff, you know, there's some Joe Perry connections. He played on one of their albums, and, you know, decent enough mid 70s generic rock, but, you know, other than that, fuck it. Uh, Point Blank opened quite a few dates. Mm. You know, I, I, I've never actually even gone and listened to any Point Blank. You know, on mm. YouTube, on anywhere. Blue Oyster Cult. I, you know, one of the ones that jumps out. Since we mentioned Rush with Dress to Kill, you know, by the time we get to Alive, Caressa Steel's out. So, mm-hmm. you know, that isn't exactly Rush's finest moment as good as, what the hell, is it the Necromancer on there? It yeah, Necromancer. Yeah, the Necromancer. Because yeah, that, a... for me, that song has one of the most stunning <laughs> midsections with... Uh, license guitar work on that is just unbelievably insane uh, yeah okay i'm gonna go all <laughs> go all googly-eyed in a minute but uh leslie west band forget it brownsville station forget it and that's just because you know yeah they're still a working band back then but they still only have that one hit um montrose has definitely had the vocalist switch by now rush mm-hmm. they're a contender for me bob seeger yeah. definite contender so Mark out of there let's go straight back to you are you going to hold up the Canada you're, flag again you're going to be surprised actually what I'm going to pick probably for this uh, I was when I was looking at that list and you were talking about those certain bands I was like you know what I would have loved to have seen this because I've been watching a lot of their old videos of late a lot of black and white stuff that's really cool from this band 
And I really love this record. It's my favorite record from this band, and that's Styx Equinox. Ooh. Hmm. Right? Really? Ooh. Yeah. I, I really love this album. I mean, you can't go wrong with songs like, you know, that whole Prelude 12 and Sweet Madam Blue, and, you mm. know, you, you got, you know, Lorelei and Light Up, and there's some, so many great things on there, you know? So. Sorry, I, I've never heard it. I had to. I did have two copies of it on cassette that I threw away. And then, of course, being a fan of this record, I had to get multiple copies of it. And my prized oh, one, of course, would be would be my, you know, nice golden one, golden. right? Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So it's, it's you know, uh, translucent. Uh, translucent. Uh, message yeah. to Universal: uh, the very best of Kiss on that color vinyl, please. Appreciate it. <laughs> put put all the albums on a different color vinyl. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, you'd be surprised if you were to go onto YouTube and search for sticks during this time period before Tommy Shaw came in, and mm. they played some really, like, you know, really hard rock and stuff on stage. I mean, you'd be surprised. Dennis DeYoung could really deliver back then and he was really good on stage then james young on guitar too he was just you know ripping that guitar and they were they were essentially a hard rock band you know and i mean when they first started they had some elements of progressiveness in theirs and sticks one and sticks two and then you know as you went on to like the serpent uh, serpent is rising and then you know man of miracles they were still fiddling around with direction at that point but i thought equinox they really started to you know zoom in on what they wanted to be like as a band and i i really like that record i mean i have all of their albums but i seem to always pull this one out and listen to it i think that they would have been a, a really good band to see with kiss because i think that they deliver a type of rock and roll that their audience would have appreciated it was this is long before you know come sail away and all those kind of grandiose song, songs that they did later on right this is more the kind of you know meat and potatoes rock and roll that the Kiss fans would have liked at this point. So I think that they would have been a great band to see. Yeah, I mean, come on, mid '70s standard rock for for want of a better term. I mean, Equinox, what's his name? I'm, I'm going to try Kuraleski, the yeah. the guitarist prior. You know, they do some shows with him on the Alive tour, and then they take I think it's a two week break, and Tommy Shaw comes in. They do their debut. I, I can't remember where it is off the top of my head. And then they do shows with Kiss. I mean, they had Binghamton scheduled. Scheduled. Let's make that because there's no. It's not confirmed that they actually performed there because they were in Ohio the night before. Um, you know, in December 1975. So, like Journey, completely different beast to what most most people think of Sticks, and they're gonna think of the stuff that came later. They forget that Lady was the breakout hit that allowed kiss to actually open for sticks at certain shows i think some were canceled again go open your books of uh kiss alive forever or kiss on tour you know that that's got these details in it because it's you know sticks was a really good band ken well sticks yeah they were okay at the time for me for me but yeah (laughs) i i think that yeah the earlier stuff was probably better than the came later um I th- I'm thinking. I mean, I like the Rush. Actually, I like Rush Caressive Steel. You know, it's not my favorite album by them, but I, I still do like it. Um, but I would I would have picked Slade. Yeah. Because Slade would have been a, a great. They have a, a lot of anthem type 
rock and roll and kiss is partially you know influenced by them anyway um so i think they would have been a fun a fun actually opening band for kiss um and i think the kiss fans would have enjoyed it so and they probably did (laughs) um so i if i was there i would have wanted to see that show for sure yeah i i mean for me it's it's you know it's so difficult as a Brit. I want to say Slade, but they're so in decline by this point. You know, I think in my notes I have Slade is in the wilderness. They're in America. <laughs> you, you know, you know their best their best years of seventy one to seventy three are far be, beyond behind them at this point. They did put out Slade and Flame, you know, soundtrack album which has the absolutely incredible and i strongly recommend you go uh either listen to slay's version or death leopard's cover of how does it feel which is just an incredible pop song you know it's not come on feel the noise it's naughty and a piano basically but he was still up there wearing his uh mirrored top hat i mean there's a good winterland um video I'm going to go with Slade because of the the definite, you know, inspiration that they provide. Kiss is just yeah. so seminal and so important to whole, you know, the whole Kiss thing. You know, short, catchy, you know, rock songs that just grab you and don't actually mean anything. What has Kiss done better? I mean, anytime they've had a song that doesn't have a message, that just clap your hands, stomp your feet, or what did Slade do? Stomp your hands, clap your feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of work. So, an, another good one on this tour is uh, Black Sheep, Lou Graham, who. Uh, oh, Lou Graham. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was the lead singer. I think they did some uh, New England or that area, New York dates, and they actually broke up. I think at the tail end of December '75, that all their equipment got stolen. And, <laughs> something to that effect at least that's the story and again whether that is entirely accurate is kind of irrelevant because lou graham goes on foreigner foreigner yeah you know so yeah you know out out of these bands from the alive era i think alive doesn't need a better opening act all of these bands that opened for them whether it's gary wright or james montgomery band you know the the very regional they make sense. Could I pair them up with a better band in, you know, September '75 through March '76? No, I, I think they're 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 perfectly set with who they had open whenever they had open. Would you go with anyone better, Ken? No, I don't think so. I think that's that's about as good as you're gonna get. Mark, other than having sticks open more dates, would you uh, go with anyone well, else? There's, there's one band that kind of popped into my head, and I've been trying to look here to see when their album came out. If they would have jumped on with Kiss, it would have had to have been near the tail end of the Alive tour, I think. And that's Boston, because they came out in 76, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure when it came out, if it was if they would have been out and about when the Kiss was still doing Alive or not. But to me, I mean... What what can I say about the first Boston album? It's a American classic. I mean, and what a guitar playing album that is. I mean, and, you know, Kiss were always looking for bands that had good old rock and roll sensibility to them. You know, they had a song on their record called Rock and Roll Band. I mean, how much more you know Americana can you get than that, right? So I'm just not a hundred percent certain at this point if they would have been 
that record would have been out at that time. And and the other thing too is to keep in mind how quickly did this album snowball and would they, would they have even been opening for anybody because of that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I did just do a quick fact check, and that came out in uh, August '76, so that would uh, actually okay. fall into the next album. But holy shit, you know what an act that would have been to pair up with Kiss, if you think of that about that first album. I mean, how many of these songs have we heard on the radio? For those of us <laughs> who, who listen to pop, you know rock radio, more than a feeling, peace of mind, rock and roll band, smoking. I mean, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Four Long time, right? Yeah, I mean, oh my, oh my God! I mean, rock standards that you know are just so central to the the rock catalog, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe on Destroyer you can chime in with Boston again. So yeah, let's actually move over to Destroyer, and you know the tour starts in Europe, and it would be remiss to completely omit that from our discussion. But you know there aren't a lot of bands involved. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the one that opened in Belgium, but uh, you got Hammersmith doing the UK gigs. You got Scorpions doing the German ones, um, and there I kind of stopped because I said Scorpions, and Scorpions, holy shit! You know, especially that era. You know, that's Uli John Roth era with the yeah. band. So in trance, mm. I don't think I don't think Virgin Killers had come out yet. So yeah, I, I I would stick with for the European side. Scorpions is perfectly fine, and I can't think of anything better on a European model. So let's get into the U.S. side and bring in Bob Seger. UFO, mm-hmm. there's another Scorpions connection. Kansas, Stars, mm. Ted Nugent again. Mm and Montrose yet again so you know for all of those mm. all of those bands I'm going to talk about the US leg no offense to my European friends Bob Seger is perfect absolutely for the same sort of music that Kiss does about having a good time letting your hair down you know kind of celebrating life without too much of a message that you have to think about Bob Seger, Seger is absolutely perfect but listen to that first stars album one show i mm. believe just the one <clears throat> considering they had the same management i would have thought stars and kiss would have just been an unbelievable pairing yeah. that first album and and that's not you know blowing smoke up richie rana's ass because that album is just <laughs> absolutely insane but perhaps it was too much of a you know competitor for kiss well, i think they i think they said that themselves i believe that they had an interview on one of these i think it might have been three sides that said that they did that show and kiss didn't exactly like that idea of having them out there playing with them so i think maybe that's why there might have been one and done probably like wait a minute you know too much of a competition yeah yeah, but you know what else would have kept Kiss on their toes? I mean, go back to Sabbath and Kiss, where you have a role reversal. That Sabbath is the kind of stuttering dog on its last legs at that point. You know, Ozzy's made some comments about following Kiss and how they kind of knew that they were getting walked over by their opening act, and they just had nothing to respond to it with. Kiss you know or any band should take on that challenge of an opening act if you're resting on your laurels or looking for an easy path stars 
is known for those early live performances. Their radio show, you know, it is just known as a raw piece of rock and roll. So I, I say it would have been perfect combination, but Bob Seger by far mm -hmm. is a very compatible one. But I also don't see what the difference is between Bob Seger and Stars. Bob Seger is singing the same sort of working class message that, you know, kisses. You know, none of these bands are making you think. They're all just entertaining with high octane rock and roll. Ken, what's your thought? Yeah, Stars would have been good, um, and Bob Seger, of course. Uh, but you know what? I I would have I think uh, back then uh, Ted Nugent would have been one I would have liked to see open at that time. And uh, he was just you know he's just hitting his stride around that time too. And uh, he would have been. You know, I think very, very entertaining show, obviously, um, for other reasons. But uh, the music was just starting to, like I said, he was just coming into his own around that time. And he's about to, I think he's hitting it, starting to hit it big, you know, or about to. So that would have been, I want to say he was hitting it big at that time. Um, uh, and that's maybe why he stopped touring with them at some point, because he, he was starting to get you know very popular uh real quick so i think he would have been a great one to see just before he hit the big time really so the yeah. album that the, the album that came out it's october 76 free for all comes out yeah so. and and i think i think any, <laughs> yeah. anyone who's listened to any rock on the radio knows that was that one? dog eat dog free for i mean come on free for all absolutely yep. insane track and i'm just quickly looking at the set list here he, he'd already had uh you know his uh debut solo album strangled i mean fuck you know what's you know kisses toward yeah. ted so many times and had him open whether it's with the amboy dukes whether it's him you know he opens again you know he, he shows up on this list he, he crazy nights he's back you know farewell mm -hmm. tour saw him mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. they are just so compatible in terms of their rock and roll. You know, one just happens to shoot a bow and arrow across the stage <laughs> while wearing a loinskin, and the right. other one shoots a rocket out of the guitar. I mean, what ultimately is the difference? And, and, yeah. Der and Derek St. Holmes. Wow, great singer. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I have to agree with you. I think that, uh, you know... Bob Seger is probably the ideal choice for this. You know, he was, you know, the D Detroit kind of guy and big in those kind of same regions that Kiss were popular in as well. So, if anything, it would just have, you know, helped solidify the attendance at those kinds of shows as well. I mean, not that Kiss really needed help at that point, but it would have just made it that much more, you know, filled to the gills, as they say, right? But I mean, I can't help but think about what could have been with some of these other bands that were out and about out and about at that time some of them seem not possible to have you know on tour with kiss but you know you, you think about like you know kansas left overture was out at that time right and that's you know maybe not exactly the same kind of music that kiss fans would want to hear but you know i i have a little soft spot for kansas some of their stuff is okay um for me, and this is one that I could never see happening, but man, would it be a really odd show to go to is to see Steely Dan. They had, you know, Royal Scam out at this point. What a great album that is. 
you know, and to have them going with Kiss, that would have been probably a really odd situation, mind yeah. you. But you know, but I'm just talking about stuff that I think that would have been, you know, that I would have liked to see. That doesn't mean that oh, it, yeah. it would work, right? But I mean, I think we're, we're kind of missing the obvious one now too. I mean, Peter Frampton, right? I mean, at this point, you know, he's probably, his, you know, Frampton comes alive is probably the biggest right. thing to alive as well, right? So. Yeah, come on, I mean, Silver Bullet. You know, you know all three of those live albums. You, you really yeah. ought to have in your collection: Frampton, Bob Seger, uh, Silver Bullet Band Live, and Kiss Alive. I mean, fuck, it's yeah. like a given. Yeah. So I mean, but I might still think that Bob Seger would have been the ideal one to do. I mean, I think the problem with Frampton is that you know he caught fire, and when you catch fire, you don't open anymore. You start headlining, right? So, right. and you know, and Steely Dan is just not a band that you would put in with Kiss. So that's just totally out the window. And Kansas, you know, they're they could they could play with him, but I think it would be totally the wrong combination as well. So it's obvious, you know, Bob Seger all the way. Yeah, you know, other than Bob Seger, I'm going to say UFO because they happen yeah. to have you know at this time they're supporting you know what's the name of the album Forset, which has one of my all time favorite rock songs let it roll so go look that one up on youtube you know and the album before that phenomenon has uh dr doctor i mean come oh, on yeah, yeah. so think of that era you know high flyer shit and if you and if you've been to an iron maiden concert lately dr doctor comes on before they hit the stage every night so does it wow yeah so you know they they were a really good just you know rock band back in that period again very firmly dated in that period but let it roll if that comes on 1077 the bone out here i absolutely I'm like i start speeding if, if i'm driving it's just one of those songs one of my my all-time favorites but you know for the most part it's gonna come back to bob Seger, sadly and yeah we didn't mention finch or stray or any of the bands that don't really count rock and roll over my favorite tour certainly isn't my favorite tour when i look at the list of opening acts other than one and you've got graham parker and the rumor tom petty and the heartbreakers i think that I, mm-hmm. i'm not sure how many shows that was uh again very regional still dr hook black hook black foot so some good southern rock blackfoot is very good bob seeger again continues sammy hagar who we all know what happens at madison square garden legs diamond and the minnesota strip the dictators so out of these out of these bands i'm going to immediately pontificate uriah ape that's the perfect one out of that list of bands that should have just opened every single show is the perfect combination for Kiss. Kiss and Your Eye Ape. Fuck. Yes. Mark. Yeah. Um I like your your Heap as well. Um but I whenever I think of Kiss, I always think of just more straight you know, like I said, the whole meat and potato ish kind of, you know, rock stuff and for me Back then, I think Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was kind of that. They were the the up-and-coming sort of, you know, the band from Florida, you know, kind of thing. So they had that little bit of southernness to their rock as well. But, you know, they they had a good formula at that point as they started coming up. I mean, obviously, they would reach stratospheric heights later on. Mm-hmm. But this is a, 
this is the kind of music that you can, you know, have a KISS audience sit through for half an hour and, you know, not expect to see the seats getting ripped out and thrown all over the place, right? So um, I think that, you know, I think Tom Petty, again, is one of those bands when I just even mentioned it, I just think apple pie and white picket fences and stuff like that because he's been so etched in my psyche at least as far as an American act and you know Americana in general you know and then maybe it's also because later on now he's been so involved with things that are so American like helping Johnny Cash out with his last couple of recordings before you know he unfortunately passed away so he's he's so connected with America that to see him opening with Kiss at that time to me makes perfect sense I mean you know an American guy opening for a big American band at the time. So I think that would be my pick. Nice. Ken? Yeah, well, I, I do love Tom Petty, actually. And I saw him, well, I saw him only once in concert. Uh, I know he's touring on the 40th anniversary, I think, tour right now, uh, or coming up. Um, but you know, I saw him at a New Year's Eve show uh, back in 1979, I think. It was 1980, 1979 into 80. Yeah. Anyway, um, so he's a, you know, puts on a great show. And uh, I think that must have been around their, their first album, <clears throat> I want to say, that time. Uh, probably the first debut album was, came out at that time, 76. Um, but uh, I'm a big Blackfoot. <laughs> I'm a big Blackfoot fan. And uh, uh, though they hadn't hit their stride yet either. Nope. Um, Strikes wasn't out yet, which had Train Train on it. You know, they kind of were really getting into it, and they were, they were becoming, you know, pretty heavy rock band. Um, and actually, you know, that early stuff was pretty hard rocking. And it's not so much no, it's not your Leonard Skinner Southern rock style either. It's it's more, you know, it has it in there. It has a slide guitar. And some of the singing styles, but it's it's southern rock, but it's southern hard rock, and it, and it, it's pretty darn good. And they always put on a good show, so um, very tight band. Um, so I would have loved to have seen that <laughs> them open up for Kiss. That would have been a great one for me to see. Yeah, when you say Blackfoot and uh, you know good southern rock band with a show, I always think Jim Dandy, but uh, you know. It's, <laughs> That's oh a, no no black oak arkansas yeah yeah so <laughs> who would i have liked to have seen opening with kiss on the rock and roll over tour 76 77 we're gonna go to 53rd and third ramones mm. no but okay. they, they really did reject their new york roots to a certain extent um i i think the ramones you know like the dictators just would have been a little bit too niche that their opening acts were very safe they didn't want anyone who was going to challenge them they didn't want anyone who was going to do unto them as they had done unto others so you know it's, it's kind of a pipe dream you've got the first Ramones album out by then punk starting to take off in Europe 76 77 that's the emergence of you know the clash breakout the buzzcocks uh, Lucy, <laughs> no, uh, not that bad. So you know the, the Ramones. You know, I, I'm just looking at the the first album track listing. Blitz, Blitzkrieg, Pop, Beat on the Brack, Judy's a Punk, I Want to Be Your Friend, 
boyfriend. Now I want to sniff some glue. I mean, fuck, I'm, we're not even through side <laughs> one. Uh, Havana Affair, 53rd and 3rd. Uh, yeah. You know, so for, from, from a personal taste perspective, had I even been going to concerts at that point, yeah, that would have been a cool combination. But I think we get back to the bands that open and they make sense. And there's, there's no real point. Blackfoot being the exception because, you know, they're they're so different than everything else so let's move yeah. on alive too and it's 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 a very narrow list on this one that you've really only got uh no i'm sorry love gun not alive too cheap trick and sticks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Che- and cheap trick pretty much opens the whole tour I, I, is anyone going to complain about that sticks does the last couple of dates and even then, yeah. you know, that's the the grand illusion of when they really kind of they transform themselves with that album. Yeah. You know, Come sail away, fooling yourself, angry young man, and yeah, you know, they become a different band from what we were talking about with Equinox. So, cheap mm-hmm. trick. I'm not going to change that up at all. I I wouldn't dare. I'd have people hunting me down. Ken. <laughs> yeah, I. I... I have to agree with you on that. Cheap Trick would have been a, a great one to s- see open for them. Um, and, you know, it's they're, you know, Cheap Trick is heavily influenced by the Beatles, you know, uh, which, you know, Kiss to a degree are too. So, um, and they just had Cheap Trick just, you know, play great, you know, uh, melodic, you know, rock and roll music. Um, so, yeah, that would have been a great one. And, you know, you've heard stories from people who had seen that and, you know they love it and everyone's there's a lot of people wanted them to you know tour with uh kiss again which would have been uh, great um the only other thing i could think of that did not tour with kiss that was coming out at the time in 77 i would have loved to have seen foreigner i believe 77 i want to say 77 of their yeah 77 debut is the album, first which album. was which is a, <laughs> a great debut album um, boy, that would have been a good show too if if they would have gotten Foreigner on uh, opening up for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, I mean, can you really argue about Cheap Trick? I mean, again, Cheap Trick no. is another one of these bands where you like like Tom Petty. They're so etched in the psyche of being that kind of a band that you can always depend on that write such great songs. But I, I always, it's one of those bands that I feel so sorry for because it's like they've almost been like stuck in the forever second position of a three band show all the time. Never quite the headliner, but just better than the opener. You know what I mean? And it's funny because, you know, you I, re- I remember reading the, uh, I think it was either Dirt or the Heroin Diaries by Nikki Six saying how much he loved Cheap Trick. And how much he wanted the Cheap Trick to open for Motley Crue. I mean, that's got to tell you something, you know, years later, you know, how much of an influence Cheap Trick had on music, even in the 80s and then into the 90s, you know. I mean, they're a great band, you know. And having them open for a band like Kiss, it's such a great one-two punch. I mean, why would you want to split that up? I think that you're right, Julian. I mean, we would be hunted down and shot if we suggested otherwise. But, you know... Another artist that's up and around at this time as well, but, you know, and while he is entertaining, I don't think it would have been a good fit with Kiss as Iggy Pop, right? I mean, he's here's a guy who's, okay. you know, who's, who's kind of got some, you know, rock and roll credentials as well, but 
is it the right style of music? You know, would it have made people start throwing beer around and, you know, going bananas and then, you know, a 25-minute delay before Kiss could come on, before they settle down, the rowdy audience, you know. Who knows, right? But, you know, Iggy Pop at that point, I think he was just starting it. I think Lust for Life was out at that point and stuff like that. So, you know, it wouldn't have been a, you know, totally out in left field thing, but... You know, mm-hmm. I still I still think that Cheap Trick is the answer. I don't know. Was he eating shite on stage? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> or or did he only do that with the Stooges? I mean, uh, I I just don't know enough about Iggy. I mean, I know the idiot came out early '77, well March. Mm-hmm. I I don't think um, what was it Lust for Life was out until later in the year. But also Cheap Trick, for that matter. I mean, we're kind of putting them up on a pedestal here because. I think, for me, I, I'm not a Cheap Trick fan. Never have been. I've owned Live at Budokan, and that's it in terms Same of their albums. So b- before that, I'm, I'm just looking on Wiki, their first album, which is the only album that they have out at this point. You know, I, I'm trying to look for some bootlegs here. And I'm like, here's a set list from April the 1st, 77. Yeah, Oak Candy, Southern Girls, Cry Cry, Big Eyes, Tax Man, Mr. Thief. He's a whore. Uh, sorry, anyone who's ever heard anything knows that song um good night now so what the hell are they playing opening up for kiss i and i just don't have the time to try and you know fact check myself while we're doing a show because the next album that comes out is in color which is late 77 which has i want you to want me i mean obviously the first real anthem that takes off for the band so i mean i need guys like tommy summers you know and and people who are real cheap Ken Mills. Trick, yeah, real cheap trick fans to kind of talk me down here. You know what was what was cheap trick and their appeal at this time that they're opening for Kiss? Is it that they've just got a sexy front man that's bringing you know as Kiss has more girls coming to the shows it is very complimentary aesthetically because musically, I'm sorry I, I've never heard any of those songs on the radio mm-hmm. off that first album. It's only after that album in Budokan that they actually become a, a force. So, but it, but it's exactly though what you said earlier though. Maybe you know you're saying that you know they were bringing safe, you know, bands with them. Like you said, at this point they didn't really have much material that could have threatened Kiss in a live stage capacity. So maybe they just brought them because they were a new act. They had an album out. You know, maybe they had a little bit of ground rumbling going on about them. So you know. I mean, if you take a look at the like uh, Chris Lentz book, they were always looking for bands that you know, like a new band that was just coming up in the scene. Like I remember that chapter about the flock of seagulls, how they were trying to get them on for one of the tours because they because they had that one song, and it's right in the book. It says there that they were looking for them because they had one hit song, and they thought that it would help boost Kiss's numbers. And when they weren't able to get them. The first comment that came out of their booking agent's mouth was, "Let's see if there's any more flocks out there." So they were obviously gunning for, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So maybe back then, they were just looking for bands that had, you know, some rumblings going on and that could not threaten Kiss live on stage in terms of numbers, but could also, you know, be credible for their opening show. You know. Yeah. Let 
let's get off that one. I mean, that's a, that's a whole different <laughs> tangent. That's a that's a kind of topic. I'd love to have a discussion in a bar with some people who are real cheap trick fans to kind of mm-hmm. explain it to me because I, I, I'm just coming from a perspective of utter ignorance here when we're, we're we're trying to talk about them. I just really don't know where they're at at that time to kind of you know even continue talking without sounding like a total pompous ass. Um, alive too. <laughs> Pompous. <laughs> Pompous ass. Where did I hear that before? Yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> Detective Piper, Nantucket, The Rockets, or Rockets, and ACDC. Alive mm-hmm. too. I mean, that that's just a continuation of Love Gun, really. But it is Super Kiss. It is them at their height. And for me... Detective sucks. I'm, I'm sorry. I have the albums. I don't like them. They don't do anything for me. Don't care. Piper? Eh, okay, you can kind of see after the fact, well, we didn't do it with Stars. Maybe we should do it with Piper. Nantucket? I have no opinion either way. Just don't know enough of them. Rockets? Again, don't know enough. But ACDC? Let there be rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a hungry bunch of frickin' urchins. Austra- <laughs> Australian, Scottish, hybrid bastards. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, you know, I, I can't one-up them. I'm, I'm not going to come up and say mm-hmm. after the fact, this is a band that Kish, Kiss should have been touring with in 78 for Live 2, 77, 78. ACDC is it. That is yeah. the only band they should have been touring with at that time even though it's not my favorite album, Power Rage, which comes a little bit later. So ACDC wins, hands down for me. Mark? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question. ACDC at that point were really starting to catch fire. I mean, like we said before, when we were mentioning ACDC beforehand, they had not touched American soil yet at that time. So now they're starting to come over because they're starting to catch fire right and you know they have such a great live show and that's another thing that uh, you know kiss knows all about obviously it's live great live shows so why not put another great live show in with them right and that that album is so is so good i mean like a whole lot of rosy i mean Mm -hmm. even but even back then i think if i'm not mistaken they had already at that point been doing the whole on the shoulders routine and running around and you know doing stuff like that so what you know what they were, they were already great entertainers at that point you know the song let there be rock is another great song i really like bad boy boogie and some of these other songs and or hell ain't a bad place to be like it's such a great record it's one of those records where on my old you know sort of tube record player downstairs that's the kind of record you go slap on you know wait till the neighbors next door have one out for the afternoon and turn up the, you know yeah turn it up to like seven so the speakers don't blow up you know and just listen to some really great no nonsense no bullshit rock and roll and and that's what it is and again if kiss if we sometimes say you know kiss are looking for safe bands here and there to play with this probably wasn't a safe band at that point because they were really doing well i think or starting to do well and when after you've watched acdc on stage you know you're talking about it 
you know so mm-hmm. hats off to kiss for bringing them on tour with them at this point because you know they they must have ignited at least a little bit of a fire underneath their rear ends when they were on stage because what a great you know that album is great and look at the material they had to choose from beforehand as well so mm-hmm. imagine their live set that they must have had at that point and especially if they're backstage you know after a couple of years going come on boys let's show them how to play some rock and roll mate you know they're gonna they're gonna get really <laughs> raveled up they'll pick some great songs from their record and then bam you know it's gonna be a great show so acdc all the way yeah it, it's just a shame that it wasn't more than a few shows i mean mm. you know i i am big on acdc in this era and i mean even excluding that you know half of let it rock is rubbish but or let there be rock pardon me dirty deeds had come out before then (laughs) everywhere else apart from america high voltage tnt i mean it's a long way to the top i I mean come on there live wire uh yeah tnt for that matter you know and then you get into let there be rock title track and I, i was just quickly checking some of the other a whole lot of rosie Helen about problem child i mean yeah you know no mm-hmm. no way bonnie was just something else it it, it to me is a crying <laughs> shame that there wasn't more of a touring history where bon and ace could have freaking bonded uh, ken yeah i i have nothing to add <laughs> i mean that's that's it right there acdc there's nothing nothing else that compares uh, at that time, uh, that would have been great to have as an opening act. And, uh, they were the right band for Kiss. Yeah, like you said, they only like few shows, and it's too bad. And uh, would have I would have loved to see a, a pro shot with both of them. You know, uh, you know, back to back playing the same concert. That'd be cool. Be but awesome. uh, yeah, yeah. So oh, yep, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not going to add anything on to it because it's. They're the band. Okay, so if the music industry is listening, back-to-back music releases, videos of bands that are still big opening for one another. Yeah, that would actually be a very cool kind of package. You know, really. That'd be good. 1977, here is Kiss with their opening act. ACDC. Never heard of them. All right, move on to Dynasty. (laughs) Or, i got to say, Paul Stanley would probably not forgive me. Dynasty. Dynasty. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> so you, you get a few interesting opening acts on this. Johnny Cougar in the Zone, Breathless, mm. Loverboy, The Rockets, New England, oh, The Sweet for one show. And, I, you know, The Sweet by then are completely irrelevant. Nantucket and Judas Priest. Ken, go straight back to you on this one. Wow. <laughs> Uh, oh god no that's a hard one i mean judas priest would have been uh, great uh, obviously we've we've talked about it that i'd love to see them tour if kiss is going to do another tour you know uh and maybe in the f- summer fall or whatever um this year it'd be that'd be a, a great double bill they would sell tickets no problem so even back then judas priest was really I mean, they've been doing it since the early 70s or... 74. Yeah, so... um, And they were really just getting better every year at that point. And they're about to get to their 
best stuff, maybe close mm-hmm. to it. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Um, um, there was another one you mentioned. Gosh, what, what was the bands again? I, I, I just Nantucket, oh. Sweet, New England, Breathless, Loverboy, and the Rockets. Oh yeah, well you know what? Um, I would have liked to see Loverboy, but I don't know if that fits with a Kiss, you know, show because they're more like uh, uh, Journey, you know, uh, at that time. Um, and that's just before them. I think that's their debut, um, mm-hmm. and that right. debut album of theirs is fantastic. Um, I, I've seen Loverboy two, two or three times in concert. Every time, they're fantastic and they sound great. So. Um, and that was back, of course, back in the 80s. Uh, uh, but that would have been great, hooky, catchy you know, rock. Um, so that would have been the other one. But Judas Priest would have fit better <laughs> with their hard rock and uh, style. I mean, very heavy metal, I guess you'd call it. Um, so I'll go with Judas Priest. Yeah, I guess for everything that we just said about ACDC, can we, would it, be right not to apply it to Judas Priest. I mean, 1978. Yeah. What what are they? You know, Killing Machine. Yeah, hell bent for leather. Or, yeah, for yeah. Cer- for certain markets. Yeah. You know, so this is all pre unleashed in the studio. Um, you know, so sin after sin, Sad Wings, and I don't think they were still even doing any out al- uh, any songs from the first album by that point. So, you know. Priest, Priest is insane. Lover Boy, you know that's the Canadian gig, I think, or uh, Vancouver. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. their album hasn't come out yet, but you know that that's a pretty good first album. John Cougar, oh. I Need a Lover at that point is the only hit he's got. That's his only thing. Everything else, you know, I've listened to. I've got every album up on behind me of his. Through oh, the, I like John Cougar. Yeah, you know, through the late 1990s, I stayed current with him every album and went to see him. You know, and I've said it before, mm-hmm. it's one of my all-time favorite shows that I went to because it was just such a, a well-put-together show. But back in 79, he does not have the material. Half of his yeah. albums have been covers. Mark? Yeah, well, you, you know where my heart's going to go. I mean, Judas Priest is just obvious for so many reasons. I mean... At this point, they released, you know, Hellbent for Leather or Killing Machine, as known in many other regions. And that record came out in 78. So they had, you know, Delivering the Goods on there, Hellbent for Leather. They had The Green Man Lishi, and they had, you know, Running Wild, and just so many great songs on that record. And to top it off in 79, when Dynasty comes out, you have Unleashed in the East, which I will correct something here now. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this before. This whole unleashed in the studio <laughs> business. Because um, Neil Kernan, who mm. was involved in the engineering mixing part of that, was involved with a record I did as well. And I had a lengthy talk with him about unleashed in the East, about this whole running rumor. And from his right from his mouth, he told me this. Yeah, mate, it's sort of unleashed in the studio, but I'll tell you what actually happened. uh, Rob Halford's throat got shot during the Japanese tour. The vocals were unusable. The music, on the other hand, though, was fantastic. They went back to a studio, put Rob Halford out on a backyard porch with two studio wedge monitors on the porch, 
one handheld SM58 microphone in the hand. They played back the music tracks. He sang it in two runs through the whole show. They took the best of the two takes, and that's what you have is Unleashed in the East. He sang it top to bottom as if it was a show with the music blasting back at him through monitors outside on a porch in a out in some mansion. I forget which, where they said it was. It might have even been Ringo Starr's estate at that point where they were doing it. Twickenham or whatever it is. But he said <laughs> right right for me that, that right in front of me that that's what happened with that record. That they had to fix those parts of the record. But he sang it top to bottom. They waited obviously till he was fully healed and he went back in and sang it as if it was a live show. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to get that ambiance back so they shot all the music through the front monitors that they had there set up for him and he sang it and Mm. that's what you ended up getting so and what a good record that is i mean i personally love the cd version of it because it'll give you those couple of extra songs on there as well you know but it's it's such a it's such a great live album you know i mean you know (laughs) i i I don't i don't know what else to say about it it's such a it's such a great record Okay, so it is unleashed in the studio because Kiss did the same thing, you know. They played back the, you know, the tracks for Paul Stanley to sing live. Then the they same pl- thing. Then they played back the tracks for Gene to play, you know, with the phaser on the bass and all that. And then they did the same for Ace. So, you know, not that much different between Alive and Unleashed in the East. Yeah, you know what? Unleashed in the East has always been one of my all-time favorite Judas Priest albums. It has number one attitude and the music the music track on that regardless of rob when he recorded the vocals is irrelevant to me because the performance itself and what it represents musically you cannot hold a candle to how powerful that is and how it makes all of that stuff sound that comes off sad wings off sin after sin mm-hmm. you know off killing machine slash hellbent for leather you know it's just it, it, it's totally unbelievable and we could go we could go off on a total tangent about the priest but yeah, good band. Yep. I, I, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just looking at my Torrance folder here. I'm pretty sure I've got a nice priest uh, Palladium show from '78 or '79. Uh, where are we, Jay? Yeah, Palladium '79. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Fucking hell. Hellbent for leather, delivering, running wild, the Ripper, Beyond the Realms, Diamonds and Rust, White Heat, Sinner, Green Man, Leashy. Victim of Changes, Genocide, Starbreaker, Take on the World, and Tyrant. Yeah, you probably find that up on YouTube. It's a real. That's an FM broadcast as well. So, um, is anyone going to question the priest for Dynasty? No, I'm not. <laughs> can I think? Can Can I think of a better band from '79? No. 1980. Really, no. Unmasked, and this is where mm. we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, Iron Maiden, Girl. Eyes, tech tones. You know, there, there's not a whole lot there to choose from. I think Iron Maiden is probably the best. However, Girl doesn't count because I can't fucking stand them, apart from my number. Um, and some of the stuff that comes off the third album that was never released. I am not a Phil fan. I'm going to say Def Leppard would have been a better opening act except for the fact that they were in Mm. America with Ted Nugent and the Scorpions. Mm. So, you know, Iron Maiden, new wave of British heavy metal. Again, like Priest, I don't think you'd go wrong with that as their opening act. Ken? 
I agree. <laughs> I don't say I'm the Iron Maiden is, you know, that's early, um, but uh, still compared to the other ones that uh, opened, um, no, they're you know they're the right one out of all that, and uh, I don't know who else could have opened at that time. Uh, of course, we're talking. In Australia. Um, so, in excess. In excess. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, that wouldn't work yeah, either. Yeah, uh, their first album would come out. But, you know, Eyes, you know, I, I think I got to spend some time on YouTube see so if I could find some of their stuff. Or, you know, Tectones were the uh, New Zealand leg of the tour opening act. I don't uh, freaking know them from anything. So, you, yeah. you know, you're only left with Girl and Maiden. Yeah. yeah. So, Maiden is it. That's that's the one. Mark. Here we go. Eddie. Maiden. 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 Yeah. I mean, I think we already you know we are talking about all the things that we need to talk about with Iron Maiden. I mean, this record was my second album that I got from Iron Maiden. The first one I ever got was Killers. And that's mainly because when I was in elementary school, there was a guy, a friend of mine named Donovan, who used to um, have this jean jacket. And on the back of it, his cousin, who was a really great artist, painted on the back of his jean jacket that killer's cover. And we were all like, whoa, what the hell was that? Like, we looked at it, and, you know, we were all in awe. And our teacher was always like, Donovan, what is that you're wearing? You know, you got to think, you know... (laughs) Catholic school, 1980, you know. So, oh, yeah. um, it, it's a, it was one of those things where, after you see it, you want to go get it, you know, convincing mom, you know, you know, get her in a good mood, tell her, you know, you know that you you did your homework and all that, and you go to the mall with her, and next thing you know, bam, you get the record. So, Iron Maiden, that record did huge for me, like it totally, you know, opened my eyes on the whole British scene, you know. And uh, this record is great. I mean, the one thing that could have been better with the debut album is if it would have just been produced better and had a better producer. If, if man, if Martin Birch would have been there already at that point, could you imagine how good this record would have been? I mean, just just think about it. I mean, if you look at this, Prowler, Remember Tomorrow, Running Free, Phantom of the Opera, Transylvania, Strange World, Charlotte the Harlot, and Iron Maiden. I mean, eight songs, maybe two of them are sort of... Eh, Right, but the rest of it is, you know, British classic. I mean, if you don't know this record, and if you live in England, they probably get stoned. Probably if they if you say that you don't know it, or you know, come on. So, what a great choice! Again, I applaud Kiss for bringing them out because, at this point, they were even picking up ground. Even at this point, I remember during the documentary that I have of Iron Maiden, uh, apparently Bill Coin was having jo- like a running joke with their uh, Rod Smallwood there saying who wants to open tonight when they were on tour together in Europe because you know they were doing that good maiden they're like you know do you guys want to open we'll open for you guys tonight you know so obviously it was a wise choice to bring them because I think they did you know add to their attendance because they were picking up a lot of steam and you know it also gave them a little bit of fire I think that's maybe why some of those unmasked shows turned out to be so good you know so that that was their first album right yeah yeah it's funny and they they have a song on there called iron maiden right yeah gonna get the last song how many 
Yeah, yeah. And how many other bands like that have? I was just thinking, you know, uh, songs that are their actual band name, you know. Hammerfall. Um, that's later on in the nineties. Hammerfall. Right? You know, Bad Company. You know, I was just thinking yeah. that it's it's been done a lot throughout the the times, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. All right, so Ken, before you you wrap us up on 1980, let's throw some other band names out there. Saxon. No Saxon. Mm. Yeah. Tin yeah. Lizzy. Samson. Mm. Uh, White Snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Schenker Group. Yeah. Mm. MSG. Diamond Head. That wouldn't be the right sort of band, but uh, Budgie. Yeah, and then we get into Blackfoot, Tom Footen, or Tom yeah. Catton. Pardon me. Tom Catton. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they were uh, they uh, were uh, headlining at that point. Well, kind of, and they they had uh, Tom Catton. They had uh, Def Leppard open for for them. Yeah. On that, that tour. Yeah, that actually they had a uh, Def Leppard opening on High and Dry, so '81 was the opening slot for uh, okay. Left with Blackfoot. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I was write, at that. Sorry, mm-hmm. did write a book on that. Um <laughs> Gillen. <laughs> and here's the the last one I'm gonna mention and it's totally new wave and Witch Find. There was also Witchfinder General. You know, so you know, there's a lot of good stuff in nineteen eighty. Oh yeah. Mm. I, I don't think any of it's better than what they had and what was available for them on the European tour without becoming uh, you know, totally kind of irrational in this discussion which you know as a kiss podcast we're allowed to be but wouldn't make much sense so iron maiden is it so we'll i I guess we'll eventually pick up this uh topic and talk about music from the elder tour on onwards (laughs) yeah 1981 looking forward to creatures yeah (laughs) Yeah, so we will visit those albums at some other point. But, you know, here's a question to everyone who's listened to us today. I mean, who are the bands that you think would have opened up, um, been a better opening act for them on any of these tours that we've discussed today? You know, which were your favorites, you know, from the many acts that opened during so many of these tours that you would have rather had a longer slot, you know, so that maybe that act had visited you in your town when you got to see Kiss instead of some other, you know, opening act? Obviously, I think we made it pretty clear that most people are going to the Kiss show and just wanting to see Kiss. It was just passing time, but it's only looking back that you really see the value of some of the bands that they did tour with. So chime in on Facebook, on Spreaker, on the FAQ message board, or wherever you do happen to listen to this episode, and let us know your thoughts on this episode. And, uh, you know, if you think I'm a pompous ass, do let me know. Yeah, and if you think oh. I'm and if you think I'm rambling on or bumbling on, let me know. Ineptly. Ineptly, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> How do you ramble on ineptly? Oh, and by the way, uh, for that one person who we have referenced, you still don't know what a freaking scab is, do you? Because get over it. A scab is someone who takes a job from a union person while the union person is out on strike. Ace Frehley never went out on strike. He declined to be further involved in the band. Therefore, being replaced didn't take his job. Okay, I sound like Mike. He didn't didn't go out on strike. He 
you know, struck out. Maybe. <laughs> he just decided he didn't want to continue, which is perfectly exactly. fine. And the other guys. He's done. All right. I, I don't yeah. want to start ranting. So we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final, there are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the Kiss FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.